Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... God knows every flaw in you, right? God knew everything you would do wrong after you came to Christ, and He picked you. It's not like God picked you and said, oh man, I thought you was going to be better than that, right? So some people be thinking when they mess up, they're like, man, I probably let God down. No, you didn't. You let yourself down. God picked you knowing you was going to do that. When God picked Peter, do you think God knew that Peter was going to jack up and the cock was going to crow three times and Peter was going to say, I don't know the man? He knew that. He picked him anyway. You are not perfect. But good news, you aren't supposed to be. God knows you better than you know yourself. He made you this way and has a purpose for your life. You are who and what you are because of what you were made to do. God knew before you did about the things you've done, and He knows about the things you will do, good and bad. Pastor Bill says today that you need not feel bad about that. God picked you, in spite of your flaws, to do a work that is uniquely designed for you alone. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, as he continues his message, Old Man versus New Man. Colossians chapter 3. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day, for this opportunity to gather, to worship. Thank you for the beautiful weather. God, thank you that we can do this. We ask that you would meet us in this place. God, we're not just here to, to do church. We have gathered together to grow in our relationship with you, God. We want to know you better. We want to understand more about how to walk with you, how to live for you. And so, God, I pray that the time we spend this morning, your word would be supernatural. That, God, by your word, through your spirit, God, you would continue to transform us from what we were into what you desire that we would be. As we look at the, the new man, God, I pray that you would help us to, to really grow into the character that we're learning about today. So be glorified. Teach us, Lord. Speak to us. Anoint me to speak with clarity and accuracy your truth. Help me, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. All right, so we covered Colossians 3, verses 1 through 11, and the message was titled, Old Man Versus the New Man. He says, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Then he told us to take off. He says, now you put to death your members which are on the earth. And so we put away fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. We put off sexual sin. We put off idolatry. We put off being greedy and covetous and looking at every commercial and saying, I want that. You know, we put all that off. That's all part of the old nature, the old man. Then he told us in verse eight that you're to put off these things, anger, wrath, Malice, blasphemy, filthy language for you cussers out there. Y'all got to clean up your language, filthy language out of your mouth. He says, don't lie to one another for the liars. If you missed it and you're still lying, you got to stop that, right? So all that, he says, man, we put all that stuff away. That's all the old nature. Here's, if I can encourage you something that um, it encourages me in my walk with the Lord. Whenever God commands you to do something, what comes along with the command to do it? The power, right? Because I don't have the power to stop anything, right? But God said, if I command you to do it, I'll empower you to walk out that command. Right? God's saying, Bill, you can't, I don't want you talking like that anymore. Y'all know I used to be a cusser? Y'all know that? Y'all didn't know that, right? I used to be a cusser. I, I, used to, I used to get down with the best of them. And, um, 
and I, I'm not going to even lie. When I first got saved, that wasn't high on my list of things to change. I didn't. I wasn't really made aware. Y'all know how I got made aware of that I need to stop cussing. I had met. I had met Mika, right? So I met her. I was a Christian. She was a Christian. She was not con- convinced that I was all the way saved. She thought I was trying Jesus out. So she had me like at a distance. But I went somewhere with her. I don't know if we were at a restaurant. We went somewhere to eat because she did like a brother. You know what I'm saying? But we went somewhere to eat. And a man, a guy was in line and he cussed. And she looked at, y'all know how her face be talking? She had this look on her face like, how dare he speak like that in front of women and children? I was like, oh God, help me. Oh God, oh God, help me. This is, she's not gonna, it's not gonna work out. She's gonna hear me do this. And God sped up the sanctification process. God was like, so now that you have a desire to not do it, I'm gonna show you you don't have to do that no more. So um, God was, God helped the brother out, you know. So, uh, but when God calls you to do something, tells you to do it, the power to do it, is made available through him. He'll help you make the changes. There were things I thought I could never, I thought I could never stop drinking. And God just delivered me from drinking. I didn't even, I didn't even set out to stop. I was, I used to drink and smoke cigarettes, Newports. Um, I didn't plan to stop smoking. When I stopped drinking, I stopped smoking. They went together. I didn't buy drink. I didn't buy smoke. And there it went. The Lord delivered, right? I didn't even try to stop smoking. God just took that away. Some things God took away. Some things were a real battle. Some things were a lot more entrenched in my flesh, in my character, who I was, that I had to really battle with. But every juncture, God was there to empower me. He's still, I'm still under transformation today. I'm not done. And God is still helping me transform, and he'll help you. So today, what we're going to look at is the new character, the new man. We looked a lot at the old man. That's who we're putting off. Well, today, we're going to put on the new man. So we're going to look at what should characterize us as Christians, as people that are no longer belong to the devil, no longer separated from God by our sins. We've now been reconciled to God. The spirit of the living God lives in us. What should be different? Because hear this, fam, it should be different. Nobody should be born again and and nothing changed. That is a faulty testimony. Whenever I meet someone says, oh yeah, I gave my life to the Lord. And I'm like, but ain't nothing changed. Well, you talk the same, you look the same, you doing the same stuff. Like I'm guessing you probably didn't really get born again, right? Anybody you see in scripture that was born again, were not the same. They weren't perfect, but they were not the same. They was on a different mission. They were going in another direction. They had another kind of help that you can't get born again genuinely and be the same. You will be changed. So what Colossians do, what Paul is doing for us as Colossians is saying, I want to speed up the process. I'm going to let you know what things should change so that you can identify with Christ in the new man. So we're picking up today at Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. It says this in verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. I'm going to read through this list real quick. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you so you also must do that's a mouthful right there and we're just getting started but let me roll back just a minute because he says something really important first he told us what God did for us he said the elect of God holy and beloved that word elect means that God selected you having nothing to do with you God chose you everybody here that's saved today you're the elect of God he chose you if you're a note taker, write down 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, where Peter says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, 
in sanctification of the spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace be multiplied. Peter says that we're elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. God chose you. He elected you. Jesus says in the Gospel of John, he says, you didn't choose me, but what? But I chose you and I appointed you that you should go forth and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give you. God says, I picked you. Now, how many of us would have picked us? Most of us wouldn't have picked. I know me. I wouldn't have picked me. But God said, Bill, you're elective. God chose you. I picked you. Here's the cool thing about being picked by God. God knows every flaw in you, right? God knew everything you would do wrong after you came to Christ and he picked you. It's not like God picked you and said, oh, man, I thought you was going to be better than that. Right. So some people be thinking when they mess up, they're like, man, I probably let God down. No, you didn't. You let yourself down. God picked you knowing you was going to do that. When God picked Peter, do you think God knew that Peter was going to jack up and the cock was going to crow three times and Peter was going to say, I don't know the man? He knew that. He picked him anyway. And he knew he was going to redeem Peter from that place. And he was going to restore him from there and send him out to do great things. But he knew Peter was going to mess up. And he knew you were going to mess up. He knew he didn't pick perfect when he picked you. But God says you're the elect of God. I want to point this out because this speaks to what God did for me. Um, so much of Christianity, when people get it wrong, when, when we get Christianity wrong, we can make it about what we do for God. But that's the wrong way to look at it. We're never the instigator. We were lost. Did you find God or did God find you? God found you were the one that was lost. Was God lost? No, he knew exactly where he was. Amen. You were lost. God found you. You didn't choose him, but he chose you. You didn't even love him first. God says you love me because what? He first loved you. God instigated the whole relationship. He started this thing. And so he reminds us here, look, you're the elect of God. I picked you. I chose you. I knew what you were. I knew where you came from. I knew your background. I knew all your grime. I know all your dirt and all your sin. I knew all your future failure. And I picked you in love, elect of God. Can we be grateful for that, y'all? Something we don't deserve. I don't deserve it, right? So when I'm now I'm born again, I'm saved. Does that make me a big deal? No, I'm a grateful individual. I've received a great gift. Am I better than you if you're not saved than I am saved? No, no, I'm, I'm blessed. Again, I, I said this before. I love how Greg Laurie says it. He says, look, I'm just one beggar trying to tell another beggar where to find food, right? Ain't nothing glorious about being a beggar, but that's our position as non-believers. We, I found the free food, y'all. I'm, I'm finna go tell y'all to hook up. I'm giving y'all the low on the, on the free eats. God did for me something I couldn't do for myself. Now I'm sharing it. Doesn't make me a big deal. It makes the giver of the gift a big deal. Amen? So back to our text here. Therefore, elect of God. If you're here, you're saved. You've been chosen by God. If you're here, you're not saved. You're like, how do I know if I'm elect of God? Surrender your life to Jesus today and you will know that you are also elect of God, right? The elect of God, it says holy and beloved. That word holy means sanctified or set apart. It's the exact same word in the Greek when you look up the word saints, where God identifies believers by this word. And so it means being sanctified, set apart to God from the world. I'll, I'll say it this way, set apart by God for God. When God says holy, he's the one that sets us apart in this way. That when, you, when you're born again, when you're, God chooses you, you become elect of God. He says, look, I've chosen you. I've made you holy. Holy, not in the way that God is holy. We're not perfect in that way. But God, when he says, look, I've set you apart from the world for myself. You've been picked for me, by me. Y'all know that there's some things that are just yours, amen, that you don't share. 
This is for you alone. I, in my household, um, you know, anybody got a house with kids, you end up sharing stuff on accident. I'm looking at, I look at one of my kids and I'm like, them is my socks. Get my socks off, you know. I, I'm not going to say which of my kids did it, but I was looking one day at some one of my kids sagging. And I'm like, if them are my draws, I'm going to beat everybody. That was, that was my draw. I'm not sharing draws with nobody. Anyway, there's some things that are set apart for you alone. And when God says, look, you are holy to him, elect holy, set apart by God for God. That means that I'm not supposed to be out here being used by other people and other things. I belong to the Lord. Amen. Here's the cool thing. God is the one that set you apart, though. He's the one that received you and set you apart by him and for him. Then he says, um, a beloved, that we're loved of God. We're not just set apart. We're not just, you know, sanctified unto the Lord. We're holy. I'm sorry. We're beloved. That means we're objects of God's love. And it pleases God. God just loves on us, y'all. And again, I think that's important because we're getting ready to go into all the stuff we need to do. But I want you to soak in what God did for you. Amen. He elected you. You didn't do anything to earn that, to deserve it, but he he elected, he chose you. Then he sanctified you. He set you apart for himself, made you holy in his sight, set you apart for him, by him. And then he reminds us here that you are beloved of God. All of this you had nothing to do with. Here's the cool thing about having nothing to do with those three things. If I had nothing to do with the fact that God elected me and set me apart for himself, by himself, and that he loved me, just loved me, period, then I can't mess this up. I just got to walk with the Lord. I'm, I'm in a blessed position. God, you loved me when there was nothing lovely about me. But there does demand a response. God says, I elect you, but you got to come. Right. There is human responsibility in this. So the gospel will go out to a, a whole group of people. The Holy Spirit will convict a whole bunch of hearts. And some of those hearts are going to turn to the Lord. And some of those hearts are going to say, I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to do me. God will honor your choice. He gave you free will, too. And his sovereignty, he gave you that. But these are the things that God did for us. And so then God says, now, this is what I expect from you. This is how I expect you to live. But I think it's so important that we understand this. We don't live this way so God will love us, right? We start off being loved by God. So we live this way in response to the fact that God loves us so much. And I I think the gospel has to influence our righteousness or we'll become Pharisees. If I think that I'm doing holy things so God will like me more, then when I'm being really holy, I'm going to be like, yo, I'm really, I'm really killing it, right? This week I read every day, I prayed, and I witnessed. And I went to church four times. You weren't even there when I missed you Sunday. You know, we'd, we'd start doing stuff like that to each other and not realize that I'm just responding to the grace, the goodness of God. I'm a recipient, and now in response to all that I've received, I'm trying to live for his glory. So now we're going to talk about how we need to live as new people, as born-again believers Look at what he said in verse 12. He says, put on, because we already put off all the other stuff, put on tender mercies. I guess this is important before we jump into the stuff we're going to put on. If you just start putting this stuff on top of a jacked up life, I just want you to be clear that that's not the program. God isn't saying bring your raggedy, rickety, sinful, carnal life and then put this on top of it. So we put off filthy language, we put off sexual sin, we put off lying, we put off, go back and reread it. If you didn't put that off and you just add these things to an unsurrendered life, that's not what God is calling us to do. You got to put off the old things and then put on the new things. At my house months ago, I, I receded my front yard. So it was just dirt. For, I think for a few years, my whole front yard was just dirt. So we seeded it, you know, had somebody come, we tilled in new dirt and put seed and manure and, and all the grass grew and it looks awesome. 
Well, you know that, that part of the grass by the curb, I didn't do it. Because I didn't know how it was going to work out on the big grass, so I waited. So now I got pretty grass up here, and then on the street side, I got dirt. And so I'm like, okay, I, I finally, this last week, we got it, you know, dug out. But, but we couldn't just throw manure and seed on that dirt. It had concrete rock in it. It had all kind of stuff that it collected. So you had to get all that junk out and then till in good dirt and then put down seed and manure and all the other stuff. And I still don't know how it's going to do. So, you know, I might look back at this message and say, you shouldn't have said nothing. But we'll see. Um, but I at least gave it a better chance. I gave it, I gave it, a, I gave it an environment it could grow in. And that's what you need to be aware of as believers, that we got to put off the old and then we put on the new. And so now we're putting on tender mercies. Um, then it says uh, kindness, humility. But let's, let's, I want to go through each of these things with you guys. Tender mercy speaks of just a, a heart of compassion. When it says put on tender mercies, this is a, a compassionate heart, right? Why does God tell us? Because God had compassion on you. I want you to note that everything God tells you to put on, he had to put on in order to receive you, right? God was tender and merciful towards you. He put on tender mercies towards you. He was compassionate with you. Compassion is the idea of, you know, I feel sorry for you. You know, I see what you're going through and I'm willing to do something to help. It's not just a feeling, it's action involved. And God says, put on tender mercies. And so if maybe in your life before Christ, you were the kind of person that would just, I stay in my own lane. I don't bother other people. I don't get involved. I can see something going wrong. I'm not helping. I'm not doing nothing. God says, hey, as a believer, I want you to put on tender mercies. I want you to, I want you to have more of a tender, merciful heart. Can I tell you somebody God did that through in the scriptures? He did that through Peter, right? Peter was to me like, I, that's Peter, one of my favorite disciples because I can relate to Peter. Peter always has something to say. Oftentimes it wasn't the right thing to say. Um, I think Peter had a little bit of a temper. Um, I think Peter saw himself as more gangster than all the other disciples. When everybody else, Jesus said, look, you guys are going to betray me. What did Peter say? He's like, Lord, look, I don't know about all these other punk disciples you got, but me, I'm going to die with you. I'm going to jail. And Peter said, Lord, I'll ride, die, go to jail. I'm not like John. He all, he all hugged up on you, laying on your bosom. I ain't like him. Um, he's like, I'm, 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 I'm rolling. They come, I'm coming. And I think he meant it because when they came to get Jesus, who stepped up? Peter with a sword. You know, that's my guy, man. See, he wasn't just wolfing. He stepped up with a sword and chopped the dude's ear off. I think he was going for the neck, but he missed, you know. The Lord had to fix it up for him. But that was Peter. As you follow through the messages, right, you get to like later on. Peter has his issue. He denies the Lord. He gets restored in, in the end of John. We see Peter go off and acts with the gospel. But then later on, when Peter's an older man and he's writing his epistles, he sounds different, right? Peter starts using words like precious. Go read the letters of the epistles from Peter, first and second Peter. And he's he speaks tenderly. It's a different guy. I'm like, what where's my gangster disciple? You know, this, he's a different guy. He's, he's, he's matured and he's grown in this thing. And so God says, Look, I want you to put on tender mercies. Some people think, you know, God, this is how I am. It doesn't matter how you've always been. When you come to Christ, all subject to change. Amen. So maybe you were a hard person. Maybe you were a tough guy or a tough girl or whatever. But now you come to Jesus, you got to soften some of that up. Where's the tender mercy? Where's the concern for other people? God says, put that on. And here's the idea. When God says put it on, it means when you see it and you realize you lack it, now put that on. So as, you, as we go through this list and you hear something, you say, God, I'm not like that. You write it down and, and then you say, God, help me to be more like that. 
I'm going to choose to do this. Help me to do it. Help me to be what I'm reading. We don't want to just read this. Amen. We want to read it and we want to become what we're reading. Put on tender mercies. Next, he says kindness. The idea of kindness, this speaks to the unselfish spirit of doing for others. It's an attitude of affection or goodwill, just, just willing to do good for other people. Maybe this wasn't you as a non-believer, but as a believer, you want to look for opportunities just to be a blessing to people. Not for anything in return, not so everybody will see, um, not for favor with God, just to be a blessing to people. This should characterize the new man, just a good person, kindness. Put on tender mercies, put on kindness. Are you a kind person? If we interview people at your job and they say, hey, what's, what's she like? How, what's, what's he like at work? Would they say, oh, man, this person's thoughtful. They're kind. If somebody's hungry at lunch and they don't have it, they're going to feed them. What kind of a person? What's your character? I don't say that to expose you. I say that to make you realize. What would people say about you? What's your character? Which, how do you behave in general? Because you can change that, right? We can hear the message today. Y'all hear this. You can leave church today and be everything that we're reading tomorrow. Y'all know that? With God's help and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can apply what we're learning and we can become what God is calling us to be. And so put on tender mercies, put on kindness. Next it says humility. Humility, this means lowliness, the willingness to be humbled and to esteem others better than yourself. Humility, just coming under other people. Now, what's the opposite of humility? Pride. So if you're prideful in general, right, God is saying, hey, I want you to walk in humility. Put on humility, right? Who do we know to put on humility? Everything we're reading here, we can see Jesus did it. I don't think anybody gives a better example of everything we're reading than Jesus. Jesus put on, who was all that, but he humbled himself? Jesus. He was God Almighty, left heaven, came to earth. And I look at some of the conversations he had with people on earth and how they spoke to him. And I just think, because I'm prideful. And I'm like, if I was Jesus... And they would have came at me like that, talking about the guys that were the Pharisees, talking about you, you guys are eating in the field, it's the, it's the Sabbath day. And I mean, this is God himself. He made the rule. I would have flexed. I would have smoked some Pharisees, y'all. I would have, it wouldn't have been good, you know. I would have just, I would have, y'all line up, man. I would have just, I would have did something to show them. But Jesus would entertain the question humbly, you know, explain to them as much as he could and go on about it. He says, put on humility. Next, it says meekness. Meekness is not weakness, but rather meekness is strength uh, to deny oneself and to walk in grace. I've heard meekness explained this way as power under control. So meekness is not being weak. Meekness is I got my powers. It's under control. When Jesus told them that, you know, he could call down legions of angels and, and deal with these people, but that's not what he came to do. That was meekness. It's not that I couldn't. It's that I'm on a mission and I'm humbling myself. And I'm walking in meekness. My power is under control. And so there will be times like that where maybe you could do something, but because you're walking in meekness, you wouldn't do it. You know, I could respond in this way. I could show them this or that, but you don't. Some of y'all know this. Some of y'all came. Some of y'all used to be wild and crazy back in the day. And it's hard sometimes when you used to be that, and now you're trying to walk with the Lord, and somebody tests you, and that little voice inside says, let me show them a little bit of the old me, right? That voice inside, if I, if I just, I'm going to let the old me out for 10 seconds just, to, just so that they know. And God is like, no, walk in meekness. <laughs> I know some of y'all are out there and the old man is like, let me out of my cage. Let me, let me punch him, kick him, cuss him, whatever. Don't do it. That's when you walk in meekness and you just leave it. Leave the old man, leave that guy hung up on the cross. Don't let him peel himself off the cross and flex 
for the day. Leave him there crucified, walk in meekness. It's not weakness, not because you couldn't. You know in your heart of hearts, if, if you had to, you could, but you're not going to because God is in control and you're on another mission. That's meekness, amen? We understand that there are a great many programs you could have listened to today. So we're super blessed you chose to join us on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. You know those times when it's too hard to be quiet and you just have to speak? Paul finds himself in this position after he hears the trouble false teachers are stirring up in the church in that day. The truth was being twisted, and it was so important to Paul that he wrote a letter to people he'd never even met. Talk about laying aside one's own apprehensions for the good of mankind. Paul specifically shared with them, on a personal level, what he knew about Jesus. We, too, desire to help any and all individuals know Jesus in a tangible way and build a lasting relationship with Him. If this piques your interest, please locate the Know Jesus tab on our website, which is calvaryinglewood.org. All the information you need is right there. Again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. Or better yet, please give us a call at 310-245-4811. We would love to connect with you, just in case you missed it. That number is 310-245-4811. Our ministry is based in Inglewood, California at Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're in the area, come check us out firsthand. Sunday morning services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. For those not in the area, you can live stream our service on YouTube or Instagram. That's all the time we have for today. We look forward to connecting with you again right here on A Transforming Word.